Welcome to another episode of our mini podcast, I Built a Company That Makes a Difference by B1, where we talk to founders of sustainable businesses to get their quick takes on how and why they started their companies and some lessons learned along the way. Today, we're talking to Lauren Sweeney, the founder of Deliver Zero, a neutral network of returnable, reusable food containers that you can return at your door. Lauren, thank you for joining us today. I love the concept of Deliver Zero, and I can't wait to talk to you more about your vision, your mission, and the journey to building the sustainable business. Thank you for having me on, Amber. I'm so excited to be here today. Wonderful. Let's get into it. So first off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about Deliver Zero? Sure. So I'm a single mom. I'd been working in startups for basically all of my career, working long hours, raising my daughter, uh, who was very young when, when I was in some of my more demanding roles. And I relied on the convenience of takeout, delivery, stopping by a juice shop and getting a a bottled green juice every morning that my daughter was in preschool, which is so shameful, but what I needed to do to survive at the time, I started having this idea. What if I, it actually started with, you know, what if I could open a juice shop where you could return the containers and the bottles and just maybe get a discount or something when, when you drop off the next one, uh, the next time you order. And then I met my co-founder who had been working on what he called a zero waste version of Seamless, which was synonymous with takeout and delivery when we got started. And that really struck me. And within a couple of days, I agreed to join him as his co-founder, became CMO at Deliver Zero. Uh, led the customer side of the business for the first two years, and then took over as CEO last March uh, when my my co-founder stepped down as CEO and I took over at that point. So there have been many twists along the way, but we've been really lucky to evolve our solution to a problem that I really experienced in my own life. And in so many ways was part of creating in, in my roles in the startup world where I, I worked for one e-commerce platform that was a great experience, but we were making convenience accessible at the expense of sustainability. Um, and I don't think that consumers should be forced to choose between those two convenience or sustainability. So how old is Deliver Zero? When did you guys really officially start? So we started in November, 2019. It looked a lot different back then, but we started in November, 2019, and we've been around for about three years and some change now. Okay. And when did you join? I joined right before November, 2019. My, my co-founder had kind of the wireframes for what Deliver Zero would look like and admitted that he had no idea how to get the word out to consumers and to build a brand around it. I said, you know, I have a, a Canva account and a brain and some experience working across the customer marketing and product sides of tech companies. So how about I just jump in and create something out of nothing? So with your background working in startups, I'm curious to know when you heard this pitch or saw the idea, so you're looking, you're used to looking at ideas that are maybe in pitch form, 
uh, unpolished, just like, this is my vision. I don't know how to get there. So you're used to living and existing in that world. Do you remember your feeling when you heard this pitch maybe for the first time? Yeah, I do. It's, and it's very rare to come across a solution that truly meets a need um, and addresses a huge market that nobody else has really tapped into yet. So I think there are some moments in our life where if we pick up on the opportunity and say yes, it can really change the tra trajectory of the, the course of our lives. And I think for me, um, hearing hearing my my co-founder co-founder's initial idea for Deliver Zero at that time was just a, a huge change in, in my life. And I, I can say that even now, it's not like we need to wait 10 years and see how it plays out. It, it was life-changing for me. That's amazing. Okay, you're right. That's very rare. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit more about how the network works? What it's evolved into is a neutral network of returnable, reusable packaging that lives across different delivery apps, different points of sale, different restaurants. So we were able to do that by building tech that works in the same way a lot of other restaurant tech works right now. Every time we order from a delivery app or from a kiosk in a fast casual restaurant or even at the counter at a restaurant, there's this whole system of APIs that are all talking to each other to make sure that information is processed correctly, that the right people get paid, whatever. We were looking at all of these restaurant tech solutions and saying, you know, if we really want this reusable packaging solution to be mainstream within the restaurant industry, it needs to work like other restaurant tech solutions. And there are these APIs that share data between delivery platforms and POS systems and other kind of attachments to both of those, like um, courier networks and similar. So we realized that the data that we needed, the customer and order level data that we needed was already being transferred through APIs. And we just needed to create our own API and also our own endpoints that could connect to others' APIs so that we could neatly plug into that system. So we built that technology. And at the same time, we started talking to the big delivery apps um, who we had some existing relationships with because you know, we, we'd been trying to engage them in different ways over the years, but this is what really ended up working for them and being something that they could say yes to after a couple of years of pitching them on some other stuff that was a lot wonkier. Um, and then at the same time, we started talking to POS systems so that we could integrate directly into the POS system and allow customers the option to order in reusable packaging at the counter. So the last year has been really wild because we were tearing down all of our old tech, building this new API-based solution and machine learning algorithm to go with it, uh, while also trying to convince these big publicly traded companies to enter into partnership agreements and share data with us. Uh, that was wild, have not fully decompressed yet. And what it makes possible for the customer is you, you just see deliver zero containers on restaurant menus or on third-party delivery app menus. You add them to your cart. After you check out, you get a text saying, thanks for ordering in this climate-friendly packaging. Here's how many containers you've got. Here's your due date to return them. And 
here's a link to learn different ways to return them, including stuff like order groceries and return the containers at your door. Um, and if our count that we send you in that text is wrong, you say, no, my Kung Pao chicken came in two containers, not one. You just dispute your box count really easily on your Deliver Zero dashboard. Um, you can return containers without ever logging in. You can be super um, low engaged. I have to think of a better way of putting that, but you can just drop containers off at a restaurant you know um, participates in the Deliver Zero system and report your return via text. So it can be that simple, or maybe you're a super user and you like logging in and tracking your emissions impact over time and your waste reduction impact over time and seeing how many containers you have out on a dashboard. And that's really just the beginning. We see room for a rewards platform when we finally have a few minutes to build it. Oh, that's awesome. Because that was going to be my next question is from a, a consumer point of view, what does the experience look like? So does that change the price point at all? Or is it, you know, it's pretty seamless and, and it would be very similar to if you hadn't decided to put some delivered zero um, containers in your box at your order? Right now, customers pay an extra dollar per order, a dollar flat fee per order mm -hmm. to receive their orders in reusable containers. We've built our tech in such a way that a restaurant could choose to absorb that cost mm -hmm. for the customer if they choose to. Um, and I think taking my Deliver Zero hat off for just one second and thinking about the way policy might turn if... Um, if policymakers start paying really close attention to the best possible implementation of reusable systems, the most equitable thing would be to not charge customers extra. So we've built the payment mechanism to allow for charging customers nothing and charging the restaurants more. The reason we charge this dollar now is it helps us offset the cost to restaurants. It helps us charge restaurants just a bit less that helps more restaurants say yes to us. And the feedback we get from customers is we would be happy to pay a bit more. And we are desperate for more restaurants. Our customers really, 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 really want more restaurants to join. Um, if we sent out a survey asking them and 10 people responded, probably 10 out of 10 would say, our only feedback is we want more restaurants. Awesome. That's fantastic then for you. Wow. So the only, I mean, the consistent feedback is people want more businesses in the network. So they have wider choice and they have more of an opportunity to, to take, uh, participate in, in your business. That's fantastic feedback. And the containers themselves, do you manufacture them yourselves? How do you, how do you get them? Where are they, where are they from? When we started the company, we, just bought containers off the shelf. There's there's one company that I think every reuse system in the US and in some other parts of the world uh, currently buy containers from. So we started buying those containers. They're good. They they work nicely. They um they definitely retain heat better than the single use packaging that's out there. Um, they're very durable. They're pretty attractive um, in a sort of institutional kind of way. Uh, they, they definitely feel like something you'd find in a college cafeteria and in some 
universities and colleges around the US, you might. Um, but they, they got us where we needed to go. Um, at the same time, we were hearing some feedback from restaurants on stuff like wanting containers that vent, um, wanting stuff like cups, um, not really having the right kind of um, burger or sandwich container. So, and we were definitely overpaying. You, you pay more when you're buying stuff off the shelf. So we started manufacturing our own containers in, in partnership with a manufacturer who has some experience doing this um, and got our costs down by 65%. We have not released those containers into the world yet. They're about to come in about a month from now. I'm very excited to put them out there. They're in a kind of poppy color. Um, the features are a little bit better than what we're currently using. And they got our costs down. So gotta love that always. 65% cost reduction is tremendous. Yeah, I'm that very excited enormous. about that. Yes, yeah. you'll have to let us know at you once we can make a little bit of buzz for you when you guys release those. You said next quarter, next month? It should be in May based okay. on what I'm currently hearing and based on the fact that there don't seem to be any delays at the ports right now. In the oh, yeah, world we live in, deal. we never know. That's true. That is true. Okay, fantastic. We'll be looking out for that. So how many businesses are in your network currently? We have about 200 businesses working with us now, uh, including Whole Foods as of this past month. So Congratulations. They just added, thank you. Um, so they're our first uh, grocery partner, and we're excited to do more on the grocery side. Oh, that's amazing. All right. Where are most of the businesses concentrated? Are they in the New York area? Most of the businesses we work with are in New York, Denver, and Boulder. Mm -hmm. We're getting into at least one California market soon. Fantastic. Okay. And all right. What, when you guys first started out, what was the biggest hurdle to getting, or it might be it's still the biggest hurdle, to getting businesses to join the network? In the very beginning, we went to market with a, a marketplace product. So customers needed to order through our site or our app in order to get food in reusable containers, and then they could hand them back to the courier delivering their next order. Mm -hmm. So customers loved that experience. Um, it was harder for restaurants to adopt because restaurants needed a whole separate tablet. They needed a a deliver zero tablet that we needed to program and provide to them. And just the tablet was so challenging. There were many times that a restaurant would call us and tell us that their tablet was broken. And I'd say, mm -hmm. is it connected to Wi-Fi? And they'd say, yes, it's definitely connected to Wi-Fi. And I would get myself out to 40 minutes away from where I lived and get there and go connect the tablet to Wi-Fi and tell them it was fixed. So there were just like these like huge, like cumbersome, you can't scale a product when that's happening. Um, and they, they don't want another tablet. They, we'd go into restaurants and they'd have six tablets lined up, one for each delivery platform they were on. There were some providers starting to solve that. There are these tablet aggregators now. So now if you walk into a restaurant, they're less likely to have six tablets and more likely to have one. Those aggregators hadn't taken off at the time. 
And because we weren't yet using machine learning for box count attribution, relied on manual entry, we couldn't even work with those aggregators at the time. Now we're actually integrated with a few of the biggest aggregators, including um, Otter, Cubo, it's a checkmate. So we, we've gotten past that hurdle. Um, yeah, and just telling restaurants like an order is gonna come in this different tablet, you have to put it in different packaging when it comes in that tablet, it's, it's very cumbersome. Now it just prints out on the ticket when a customer opts into our containers and it's printed on the ticket like a, a menu item the customer orders. So it's, it's a lot easier of a, a mental process for Great. the restaurant workers. Okay, so your software now, your technology just is an API into whatever system they're already using, and so it it, it prints out in whatever system or shines on a on a screen or however they're already fulfilling their orders. It just is. It comes in like this with a this goes on a deliver zero set of packaging. Yeah, um, usually the orders will be coming in through a tablet, and often that tablet's connected to the printer that just prints out a ticket for every order the restaurant gets. Um, and then they're neatly lined up in the kitchen, however they, however their system works. But we, we've spent a good amount of time in, in restaurant kitchens now and figured out what's actually going to make this minimally burdensome for restaurant workers. Right. Okay. Uh, and what is your acquisition strategy right now? Do you guys have field sales? Is this how, what's, how are you approaching getting more and more businesses online? So this is a really interesting question today because this morning I've been reviewing applications for salespeople. We've been handling all sales ourselves, which has been- And when you say ourselves, that means without uh, sales staff? Yeah, basically. Like basically okay. um, some members of our team wear more of a sales hat than others. Um, any, I'd say anyone who's writing code doesn't have to be making sales. So you either go learn to write code or sell. Um, and then one person who writes a lot of code has also made some sales. Um, we, we realized that we were never going to grow at the pace that we need to grow if we continue relying on that strategy, which was really always a short-term strategy while we built the product and made sure it was working properly. And um, I think it's good for everyone to have some experience selling the product. So we, we all know what what's a flag for our potential users um but now we we need full-time salespeople so we're hiring some full-time salespeople to just spend their entire day getting more restaurants on the platform and i'm excited about what that will look like we've gotten some great resumes uh we need i mean this in the most benevolent way possible but we need some total killers who are ready to go out and close really rapidly do you recommend that approach where basically everybody who's not writing code is, is sales or is responsible for sales. Do you recommend that in the early days of a startup, any startup or particular startups, this one, for example? I think a good rule of thumb is that if key members of the early team can't sell it themselves, there might be some issues with product market fit that you should address before investing too heavily in a sales strategy because once you have a sales team, people can, despite the best of intentions, begin operating in silos and feedback from the sales team might not be making it back to the product team in such a way that it's implemented. So I think 
in the very beginning, it can be helpful to have a much tighter feedback loop between your target market and the, the team that's really responsible for building and implementing the solution, like our, our product team, our logistics and operations teams. Um, but it's not going to take you very far. So once you really do have that product market fit, it's important to hire some salespeople. Um, we just launched some of our bigger partnerships. And once those launched, we decided it's time to start having people actually sell. Um, and then on the customer side, I'd say the same thing. I tell people like, don't start spending any money on paid social until you're starting to convert um, just on, on organic social, because you could burn through a lot of money on paid social really quick. And you could burn through money promoting a concept that it's possible that nobody will ever convert on. I've seen it happen. I've seen people who are maybe good fundraisers or have access to capital just burn through it on paid social strategies before really converting a customer on $0. You need to convert your first cohort of customers on, on nothing. And then that shows you you actually have something. It's hard to stomach though, because the, there can be this tendency to believe that no, when we start spending on paid social, the customers will automatically convert. And it, it may not be the case. You're better off learning it more inexpensively on organic social. So on the flip side of that, how do you guys, how does Deliver Zero engage with end users as well and consumers? If the businesses, restaurants, other delivery services, if those are your paying customers, how do you guys engage with and, and build a community of, of consumers? From the beginning, we've been really authentic in our messaging. Anything I felt like wasn't being said about single use packaging or the potential of the reuse sector, we, and by we, I, I mean I in the beginning and then we, as we've grown, um, would go out and say it we'd make a meme just highlighting the ridiculousness of using something once and throwing it away. Um, I'm not afraid to be vocal about the size of the problem we're solving and the complicity of big corporations in perpetuating the cycle. Um, and that's, that's resonated with consumers who I think really share uh, the personal frustrations I felt over single-use packaging, but just felt like they didn't have access to another way. So when you start talking about what another way could look like really publicly and online, um, people start responding. And that's that's always been kind of the, the core of our strategy. And then we've built off of that with some good, good earned media coverage, um, with some paid social um, we've done some outdoor advertising in the past, uh, like bus shelters in Brooklyn mm -hmm. uh, performed really well for us and uh, NPR ads performed really well for us. Um, and then just the fact that our containers are on the menu at the restaurant, the customer already likes, if that's good free advertising or advertising that we get paid for. And what about referrals from end users that are referring restaurants? Do people, do you have an inflow of inbound of restaurants saying like, look, five of my customers have have uh, asked if we do this delivery, if we're in, you know, if that's in the works, do you get any inbound that way? There is an interesting insight we picked up in the last month. We had about a thousand customers. We created a tool that makes it easy for customers to 
email their favorite restaurants and ask them to join Deliver Zero. We had about a thousand customers make use of that tool, which is amazing. Customers who took time out of their day to let restaurants know they'd like to use our product. We didn't see super high conversions off of that. It could be that the the emails were too scattered um, to different restaurants. And if you only get one, two emails, then we we did have a restaurant get I think 56 emails. Um, and those emails have not been sent yet. We're we, we can choose when these emails actually go out. Mm-hmm. They're going to start getting an email every hour for the next week and a half during oh, business wow. hours. And I think maybe that one will be a success story in the end. Um, okay, so we ran that strategy. We ran another strategy much in a much smaller way. We just had some friends of Deliver Zero comment on Instagram posts of restaurants that they wanted to join our network, it took one comment for restaurants to start reaching out to us. So what we've identified is that commenting on restaurants, Instagram pages, and some of these restaurants like had said no to members of our team, like gave like a pretty hard no in one case. And then like just one Instagram comment, and they were reaching out to us through like three different channels trying to get set up. Wow. So Instagram comments work. I think running a restaurant is challenging. I empathize with that. I can see why their gut reaction is to say no to things. But we really do make it easy. And I think that we could hold the restaurant community a bit more accountable to making truly sustainable solutions available. That is a really good piece of insight. That is amazing. Right. And if a company is interested in joining the Deliver Zero Network, like what is the criteria that they need to meet? We are open to working with basically any restaurant that is in- using any of the channels we integrate with, which is increasingly more. And basically any restaurant is working with at least one of the channels we integrate with. Um, I don't want to name big corporations' names without their... <laughs> official sign off. Um, we, we just like to avoid getting in trouble, but restaurants work with these platforms. So if they're doing any takeout and delivery volume whatsoever, we're happy to work with them. We stock restaurants up based on the volume of delivery that they do. So if they're more of a fine dining establishment and they don't do a lot of delivery, we're not going to overstock them with containers. If they're a fast casual and they do a ton of takeout and delivery, we can restock them every day and we can stock them up with as many containers as they're able to fit in their back of house. So there's there's a very light criteria. We're very welcoming of any restaurant that wants to join this revolution with us. And how long from like end to making first delivery does it usually take? Does the onboarding process take, um, the setup process, having the first container delivery? How long is that usually? Usually takes a couple of days. Uh, We hear that other restaurant tech solutions will take three weeks or so to get set up. Um, We've always just put this pressure on ourselves to get a restaurant onboarded basically as soon as the contract is signed. Um, And even as we grow, I think that's really important to adhere to because I think a lot of the negative feedback on restaurant tech solutions is that the staff is unresponsive, that it took too long to get set up. 
And we like to be a friendly face who's super accountable from the very beginning. Uh, and we're working on a new process where we would do sales and onboarding in one shot, like have these EVs follow a salesperson around and just like cover a neighborhood and get restaurants signed up and stocked the same day. So TLDRs as rapidly as possible. Wow. Okay. So we're in still the first couple weeks of Q2. It's hard to believe that it's Q2 already in 2023, uh, but it is. Uh, so what are the biggest challenges for Deliver Zero this year? The biggest challenge this year is can this really scale? Can we get not just a couple hundred, but a couple thousand restaurants on board by the end of this year uh, in at least one more market. But we, we also would like to reach critical mass in a couple of the markets we're already in. Um, in Denver and Boulder, I want this to be the normal way of doing things by the end of this year. And in New York, I want our brand to be more recognizable and the idea of reuse to be more more mainstream, if not totally normalized in New York where it could possibly take a bit longer. Okay. All right. And what are you most excited about? What it looks like it might be the same thing that you just said, or it might be something totally different. What are you most excited about this year? Uh, policy. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing policy in the U.S. similar to legislation that's already passed in Europe. There are some European countries that have passed reuse mandates um, and reuse and refill targets. There has been this foot dragging among US legislators and corporations that I do see ending. Um, there are some legislators that are really excited about this and are ready int to introduce policy, um, putting more burden on big corporations that churn out a lot of single use packaging to start offering reusable solutions. Okay. And what are the states that you see the most traction representative legislators this year? Just so our, our users can, or our, the listeners out there can, if it's their state, they might perk up a little bit. The state of Colorado and the cities of Boulder and Denver have been incredibly supportive of reuse. Um, less so at the policy level in, in the way I was just describing so far, um, but almost more helpfully at this point, they've created sources of funding for reusable solutions and for small businesses that implement reusable solutions, which is huge. Uh, the state of California passed a sort of light version of extended producer responsibility, which will, will evolve, so that's exciting. The state of New York is focused on ex extended producer responsibility right now, and it's really just a fight to make sure that the version of EPR that passes in New York holds the right people accountable. It, it's gotten really slippery in New York, and there are some people really staying on top of that legislation to make sure it's truly environmentally beneficial. And in New York City, we have some great progressive legislators, progressive on this issue, um, who, who I think actually could introduce something and surprise people. Fantastic. Well, I'm a Colorado native, and I'm really happy to hear that Colorado is up there 
amongst the the states, at least on the eastern slope, that are being very very helpful. That's that makes me proud. All right, so let's get to our the last couple of questions that we asked everybody. I'll ask these next three just in all all in a big block. So for you in this journey, actually maybe through your your career of startups, but especially in this this last journey with Deliver Zero, I'd love to know your biggest success to date, your biggest failure to date, and the most important lesson that you've learned to date. Our biggest success to date was building the tech that we built and getting some big corporations to use it as we were building it. The truest example of building the plane while flying it. Um, biggest failure is I thought we could launch in the Chicago market in a really lean and really light way. And it just, we need to focus on growing where we are before trying to launch in other markets, especially before the tech was built. It was just not something I put too much time into, but looking back on the last year, I was like, why did I spend any time in Chicago this year? Um, as much as I like it as a city and as great as the food culture and the people there are, we just weren't ready to pursue it at all yet. Um, what was the third question? Important, most important lesson. Oh, um, I think just being resilient is the most important thing of all. And I think if you really believe in what you're doing and are fortunate enough to be, <clears throat> excuse me, supported in continuing to do it, just committing to resiliency is not like guaranteed success, but I, I think we give ourselves a much better shot when we choose to be resilient and actively choose to be resilient. I like that a lot. All right, last one that we ask everybody, what if you could get 85% of the world to adopt a single behavior, what would it be? Choose reuse wherever it's made available to you. Awesome. All right. And lastly, where can we find you? In real life, online, website? So our website is www.deliverzero.com. Zero is all spelled out. On Instagram, we're at deliver zero and this oh at the end of deliver zero is a number but it, it'll come up by the time you're you're there um if you just search deliver zero on instagram you'll find us um, i'm pretty active on linkedin so if you just look for lauren sweeney deliver zero i'll come up and we as a company are pretty active on linkedin too awesome all right Lauren, this has been a really enjoyable conversation. Actually, a lot of this is uh, I might follow up with you on LinkedIn um, for you know tips and tricks for B1 and for EPOP. So thank you very much for chatting with us today about Deliver Zero's journey. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Amber.